The title of the message today is The Gospel, It's for Everyone. The Gospel, we've been studying this, this uh, thing all year called Unstoppable, the power at work within the church. And we started with the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And then we've been talking about the power of the Gospel message. So we're several messages into that in the middle of Acts now. And uh, it would have been easy for you to stay home and uh, just listen online later or something like that, but you're here, and so I'm assuming that you really want to study the Word. The Gospel, it's for everyone. I say that, and it sounds really cool. It sounds like, wow, that's really great. But do you really believe that? That's the question. Do you really believe that the Gospel's for everyone? See, that's what I've been challenged with this week. Um, I think this is what you'll be challenged with this week is, is do I actually believe that? When I go to Christmas with my relatives, when I uh, go to work with my coworkers, when I'm in the neighborhood, um, when I see on TV um, these people that are not who they should be, so to speak, do I really believe that the gospel is for everyone? So, Maybe you should just take a minute and mentally inventory all the people that you know. Go ahead. Get through the Rolodex of people in your life and just ask yourself this question, did Jesus die for them? Flipping through. Aunt Ruth. Flipping through. Uncle John. You know, your neighbor, your coworker, the people you like and the people you honestly just don't, just flat out, did Jesus die for them? I think you're going to find that the answer is yes, if you're honest with yourself. Yeah, he did. Jesus died for the whole world. So I want to encourage you today, right? It's good to be encouraged at church. I want to encourage you today to take every opportunity that God gives, especially this Christmas season, to, to share the gospel with others. So open up Acts chapter 10. You're probably there where we see, and I hope that we'll take action on each of these three opportunities in the text. Chapter 10, where did we leave off? Do you guys remember? Because I kind of had a long week with a cold and everything like that. Maybe you've noticed my voice is a little deeper. I'm going to try to get through this without coughing. Anybody had a cold this week? I'm so sorry for you. Matt's like, <coughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Where did we leave off? Still waiting. 23, all right. But did we, like, read all of 23? No, no, so we like like right in the middle, like mid-sentence, we just like dropped off. Why is that? Why is that? Because this is like the longest narrative in Acts, and I think there's a reason for that. This is really, really important, and Luke, the author of Acts, keeps repeating this over and over, the same story over and over and over and over. If you read Acts 10.1 all the way through 18. Are, are through uh, eleven eighteen. 
I mean, he's going to say the same story like three or four times. Repetition uh, equals importance. So this is really, really, really important. Let's just start in verse 21. How about that? And Peter went down to the men. Remember how many guys it was? How many was it? Anybody remember? Three. All right, I heard a faint three somewhere back there. Thanks, Leah. And I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And, he, and they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. I think that's really important. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They sent for him, but what they really wanted was his words. They wanted to hear what he had to say. All right? So then verse 23, where we left off. So he invited them to be his guest. That's the first step of him being obedient to this vision. I don't think he fully understands it yet, but he's going to soon. The next day he rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. It was six people, and you're going to find that out later in chapter 11. So six brothers accompanied him from Joppa to Caesarea. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was, what does it say? He was expecting them. What kind of faith is that? That's pretty good faith, right? I had this vision. I sent my best people to go get this guy. He's going to come. I mean, he's just expecting them. Now, it's one thing to expect somebody to do something. It's another thing to put a lot of people um, in that position as well, right? So you kind of stick your neck out a little bit if, if you ask others to do it, which is what he did. Look at this. Expecting them, and he called together his relatives and his close friends. Sounds like a Christmas gathering. And he, and he, but he did. He called them all together. He's like, hey, guys, come on over. I'm like, why? Right? Why? Why should I come over? Well, there's this guy. He's coming. Really? Is he coming? I'm not sure. So this is really good faith. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him. Gave him a handshake, handshake right? Kissed him on both sides. You know, kind of, no. All right, here's what he did. And he fell down at his feet and he worshipped him. All right. What do you think he's going to do? Some people say Peter's the first pope. So he should probably just be like, kiss the ring, right? He should just be like, yep, yep, thanks, you know, well done, kiss the ring. No, no, it's not what he does, is it? He says, stand up. Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. I too am a man. I love that about Peter. He's not like, yeah, yeah, th- yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, appreciate it. He's not like, oh, shucks, what are you doing? He's like, get up quick. I don't want to be struck dead because there's a God, Jesus Christ, who you should worship, and it's not me. I'm a man. He's the God man. I love that. We kind of get that sideways in our head as religious leaders sometimes. Not just Catholics, any any of us. And he... As he talked with them, 
he went in and found many persons gathered. He must have been like, whoa, this is more than I expected. This is more than I like signed up for. This is like, and we know this by his response. And he said to them, this isn't what you would normally say to greet uh, a group of people, especially when they're Gentiles. Uh, you yourselves know how unlawful, I'm like breaking the law to do this, it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone from another nation. But God has shown me, I love that phrase, I underlined it in my Bible, because it means he understands the vision. He understands that the vision is, he's getting a, a clearer picture now, the vision is about me sharing the gospel with Gentiles. So, but God has shown me that I should not call any person, not about the animals in the sheet, but any person, common or unclean. The gospel's for everyone. There is not a person that is common or unclean. There's not a people group. There's not a color. There's not a ethnicity. There's not a social status. There's not a, there's no anything, right? The gospel is for everyone. So I was, when I was sent for, I came without objection, literally distinction or doubt. I asked then, why are you sent for me? So he's like, hey, why am I here exactly? I mean, I know the Holy Spirit's guided me. I know this all. Like, what exactly is still not clear to him, even though the guy's kind of dropped, like, we want to hear what you have to say. It's still not clear. So Cornelius goes back through the whole story. This is the repetition. Cornelius said, for four days ago, about this hour, so the 3 p.m., I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, its angel, and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your, uh, have been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa. Ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. Very specific. So I sent for you at once. And you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God. That is a faith statement. We are all here. We know there's a God. We're all here. You didn't roll out of bed today. Negative 23 degrees. And decide, I think I'll check the box and go to church. Right? There's something in you that's like, there's a God who really wants me to worship him. I think I'll go over to Kellogg Middle School, right? I think I'll brave the elements. I think I'll put my life on the line because I want to hear from God. And that's pretty amazing. I hope, I pray that God will just speak to you today in a way that he's never even done that before because of your faith. To hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So here's the first opportunity. And this is, I think, what's happening to Peter, and this is what needs to happen to us. We need to open our eyes. We need to open our eyes. We need to see it. God's bringing the gospel to people I don't expect. Peter didn't expect it to be Gentiles. That was unlawful. People, uh, Peter didn't expect to be worshipped. 
That was even worse than unlawful. That was like, don't do it, get up. Peter didn't expect so many people. He just thought he was going to tell Cornelius, right? And then all his friends and relatives are there. Peter also didn't expect a captive audience. A bunch of people who are like, we want to hear. We want to know. What do, you, what, do you, what do you have for us? Lay it out. We're here to believe. We're here to... So what did we expect? What did you expect when you came today? Did you have some expectations? Did you expect me to preach? Didn't think I was going to do it yesterday. Did you expect uh, your friends to be here? What did you expect? Probably didn't expect this many people. I know I didn't. Praise God. Sometimes I just need to open my eyes because God's bringing people and God's bringing the gospel to people that I don't expect. I want you to think of Christmas Day. You guys go somewhere for Christmas? Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. If you're married, you got like two places you got to go. That adds a little complication. When you get into that fight later today about who, how many time you're going to spend at each other's house, just, uh, just remember to be grace-filled and uh, how much you're going to spend on each uh, person and all that. And I just, it's, it's a complicated mess. All right? But I want you to think about Christmas. What are you expecting from Christmas? Expecting to get some gifts? Expecting to have some conversations. The gospel's for everyone. With that in mind, what are you expecting about the gospel this Christmas? Expecting to share the gospel with some people? I bet, I venture to say, if you are, then you probably have somebody in mind that you're like, man, Uncle John, he's like really close to the, he's like, he's like on the edge. Like, like I think he really is going to get the gospel. He's, every conversation we've had, he's been getting so close, and maybe this will be the time have anybody like that in your life, in your family? You're like, this time they're going to get it, you know? And I would just say to you, you know, Peter goes up on the roof to pray and say, God, what's next? And what he finds out is it's not Uncle John, right? What he finds out is it's not another Jewish person that he's going to go tell about Jesus, and they're going to convert from Judaism to Christianity. What he finds is a Gentile. It's somebody far off. It's somebody that would never expect to get it. And the cool thing about this story is, this affects you and me so much. The cool thing about this story is, God did this for you and me. We don't have to become Jews to become Christians. We don't. And neither does anybody else. Right? So stop trying to strap what this is a great message for us. Believers, Christians, who are now further down the road and have added some this and that, some guardrails to our face so that we don't get in the ditch as often, right? And we've got to remember that some of those things that we've put on our life, like I'm not going to drink, you know, or so, something like that. You know, it's not necessarily part of the gospel, right? And so don't try to like put all of your restrictions on this person that you're trying to bring to the gospel because then it's not going to be for them. The gospel's for everyone. We're bypassing all the law, all the legalism, all the stuff that you want to add to it. It's just the gospel. <coughs> Excuse me. It's just the gospel. 
So forget about, I just want to say to you, forget about your pet project this Christmas, right? Get your eyes off of Uncle John, whoever it may be, your favorite people that you can't wait to talk to about Christ. And think about someone that God has been preparing to hear the gospel right now, in this moment. God's been preparing somebody to hear the gospel, somebody to just see it for what it is right now, this Christmas, this time. The gospel's for everyone. Not just who I think it will be, not just for who I think it's for, but the gospel's for everyone. So I want you to just do this. I want you to pray for a God moment. Write it down. Write it down in your notes. Pray for a God moment. I want you to spend some time today, some time this week before Christmas. I want you to ask God for one of His moments, for a supernatural, Holy Spirit-filled, divine appointment just like we see in the passage. They don't happen every day. Maybe we miss them. But I want you to pray. That's the application of this point. Open my eyes, God. God, I know you're bringing people that I don't expect. Open my eyes to see it. Even though I don't expect it, help me to be surprised this Christmas. And then share your testimony that you've been preparing all fall with whomever God brings. All right? Back to the text. Verse 34. So Peter, well, here's what he did. He, his eyes were wide open to something he didn't expect. So how's he going to respond? He takes the next opportunity. Peter opens his mouth, and he said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. God's not a favorites God. You're like, well, God had favorites. It was the Jews, right? I mean, aren't you thinking that? I read that and I'm like, God doesn't have any favorites. And I'm like, bull. <laughs> like, like, like calling you on that one. Like, that's not true. The nation of Israel. But I mean, that's your finite mind. Right? That's your little itty bitty thing. That's your view of history. That God chose Abraham and the nation Israel. But why did he choose that? Why did he? He said to Abraham, all nations will be blessed by you, right? He chose the nation Israel, right, to get the gospel out to everyone. So truly, God shows no partiality. God has no favorites. You're like, well, then anybody can be saved. That's it. The gospel's for everyone. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So there is a requirement. You know what the requirement is? Submission, right? The requirement is, you're God, I'm not. That's it. The requirement isn't, I need to be. You read that and you go, fear him, do what is right. And you're like, oh, I got to be good i got to be good then. If I'm not good enough, then I'm not going to... i got to be good. i got to fear God. i got to do what's right. I gotta, you read that and you think these things. What he's saying is, 
I just know that you're God and I'm not. I'm aware that I'm not God. As for the word that he sent to Israel, so God sent the word, who's the word? Jesus Christ, to Israel, to the Jews, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ. Now, what is the gospel? From the line I just read, what is the gospel? It's the word. What is the gospel? It's the good news. What's the gospel? It's peace. What's the gospel? Jesus Christ. It's truth. Now, when you roll into Christmas, right, what are you going to bring? Did it say the gospel is the law? Did it say the gospel is you're a sinner, you're going to hell? I mean, that might be true, but that's not how the gospel comes. The gospel comes as the word. The gospel comes as good news. The gospel comes as peace. The gospel comes as Jesus Christ, the one sent to reconcile all back to the Father. That's the gospel. And I think we should present it as such. He says, He is Lord of all. That's a pagan statement. It's kind of interesting that he says that, and it, it's including the Gentiles in this now Israel uh, thing that he's saying. He's like widening it out. He's like, He's Lord of all. He's not just Lord of the Jews. He's Lord of all. He's Lord of you. For yourselves, you yourselves know. You've heard, you've seen. What happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. Remember that? John was baptizing a bunch of people. They're all like, oh yeah, you remember that? All the relatives in there, Cornelius, they're like, yeah, I remember hearing about that guy, John. He was a whack. Like, like he ate like locusts and honey, and he, he like wore like camel skins or something. Like that. That, that guy was nuts, and he was baptizing people. Yeah, we didn't do that, but, but we remember how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth the Holy, uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power. We're like, yeah, I remember that. Jesus did get baptized by him. He got baptized by John. There's stories about some dove coming down or something like that or something that looked like a dove. There's, there's these stories out there, right? And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Emmanuel, God with us. God was with Jesus, and Jesus was with us. Emmanuel, God with us, right? And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. So he's taking his story, and he's going, yeah, the whole of Israel, the country of the Jews, Judea, and and." Jerusalem, he takes it to this one spot. Why is he taking it to this one spot? Keep reading. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Doesn't say cross, does it? Because the Gentiles knew what tree meant. They meant they knew what that meant. He was put to death on a cross, but God raised him from the dead. God raised him on the third day and made him appear. See, this is the gospel. 
The gospel is that Jesus Christ not only lived sinless life, but that he died. But that's not enough. For someone to die for you, you need somebody to raise to life, conquering, having victory over sin and death, holding the keys, made him appear not to all people. You didn't see him. Gentiles, you didn't see him. But to us, who he had chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So that was good proof. He, he wasn't just a spirit, he was physical. He ate and he drank after he was ro- risen from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Who judges? Kings reign. Kings say this and that. Kings rule. Kings judge. King Jesus. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, Jesus, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's Jesus' name. There's a second opportunity this Christmas. Open my mouth. Open my mouth. And I need to relate the gospel to people God brings. Whoever God brings, maybe it is Uncle John, who's so close. Or maybe it's one of your crazy relatives that you don't even know and don't really like, but they're ripe to the gospel and you share it with them and they come to faith. Wouldn't that be cool? Because the gospel's for everyone. God brings people I don't expect, but also I need to relate the gospel to people God brings. Whoever God brings, whoever put God puts in my path this Christmas season, I need to bring them the gospel. Now what I love about this story right here is it's not say, he's not saying the gospel to Jewish people. He's saying it to Gentiles. So what does he do? You might notice that he totally admits, takes it all out, any reference to the Old Testament until the very end. He doesn't quote Scripture like he did in Acts 2, right, when he's talking to Jews, because Gentiles are like, what's that? Who cares? So it might not be that you're going to, like, break out your Bible on Sunday, next Sunday or next whenever you get together with your family, and be like, hey, this verse, this verse, this verse. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So maybe... But maybe it's just you tell them a story that relates to them. Maybe it's just you get them to understand what he got them to understand, and that is that we're sinners, and that we need a rescuer, a savior, and that that rescuer is Jesus. And he is trying to draw us to bring us back into relationship with God, our Father. I think it's so interesting how he does that how he makes it about good news and peace, how he says we're witnesses of what happened with God. And we're sent out to preach, to proclaim, to tell you what God did. 
And I love that last phrase. You should probably underline it in your Bible. Verse 43. Just look at it really quick. To him, all the prophets bear witness. You know, if you did read anything in the Old Testament, if you did have any history, every prophet in the Old Testament, they all talk about Jesus. And this is what they talk about. That everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins. Now that's only good news if you think you have a sin problem. If you don't think you have a sin problem, you're like, who is that? Who's God? And why does he think I sin? Right? So there is the, like, the self-righteous or the just flat-out heathen, you know, where it's like, you're saying I'm a sinner? You're saying what I do is wrong? Who, who made you God? Right? People that don't know sin's a problem don't need rescuing from sin. So who are you looking for? Who are your eyes going to be open to? Those that realize the way they're living isn't exactly the way it should be. That's who you're looking for. Everyone who believes in Him. What do we believe about Jesus? What do we believe about Jesus? Go ahead. Give me some things. He's the Son of God. That's huge. He is God. What do you believe about Jesus? <coughs> he died for us on the cross. He rose again. He was perfect. the way, the truth, and life. That is true. He's coming back. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, right? I wrote down three things that I just thought of. What do we believe about Jesus? Here's what we believe. Jesus is God's plan. Just write that down. God's plan to bring us back into relationship with God. Jesus is God's big idea. Jesus is God's big plan, right? To bring you and me back into relationship with Him. And to that I say, are you on the plan? Right? Are you on that plan? Do you want to be in relationship with God, our Father? Do you want to be back in good graces with Him? Do you want your sins forgiven? It's good news. The second thing, Jesus is God's payment. He's not only a plan, but he's a payment. Jesus is God's payment for our sin. Now, if you don't think you have any sin, and you don't think you need any payment, then that's not a good news. But if you do have sin, and you understand that you're a sinner, then that is really, really good news. Because Jesus is God's payment to cover our sin forever. Past, present, because I am a sinner, and future. I will sin again. This week. 
It's in my nature. It's in my DNA. What else do we believe about Jesus? Jesus is God's pattern. God's plan, God's payment, and God's pattern. I might be a preacher. I'm just saying. I don't know why it just comes in peace. Jesus is God's pattern of how we should live on earth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, the way to live. If we live like Him, we live well. So i got to ask this question. What keeps me from opening my mouth? What keeps you from opening your mouth? What could possibly keep the good news inside of me, right? That's a great question. I want you to write down a few answers. Go ahead, write them down. What keeps you from opening your mouth? Because it's not the same for every person. What keeps you from opening your mouth? Write them down. good to kind of interact with your thought what's keeping me from opening my mouth man i had an opportunity this last week why didn't i say something maybe it wasn't right maybe it wasn't right i don't know but like i had an opportunity what kept me from opening my mouth then what i want you to do is ask god to remove your doubts and your fears and i want you to god please replace them with a fear of you and a belief that you can reach and change anyone and everyone by your grace and power. I want you to pray that over these things that you've written down. God, you, you can reach and change anyone and everyone. Change my heart from fearful and doubt-filled to understanding that you're powerful. And you want people to come to know you. That's why you sent Jesus. And that's why you've made me a witness. And that's why we're here. For your glory. Look at verse 44. While Peter was uh, saying these things, what happened? (coughs) Excuse me. What happened? I love this part. So, so liter- I'm a preacher. I'm preaching right now. So literally what he's saying is somebody interrupted him. Right? So, you know, babies have cried. They've walked out, different things. You know, it hasn't really been an interruption. I've just kept going, right? But something, like, shut it down. It's like, you're done. Right? Over. Hook. I mean, it's like time out, right? Preachers don't like that stuff, man. Like, I, I'll be done when I want to be done, right? When I give the invitation, people get saved, that's when we'll be done, right? And, and, and God's like, I don't think so. So isn't that kind of how we think of salvation? When I say the sinner's prayer with you, then you'll be saved. When I do this thing, or when when I invite you to it, then you'll be saved. No, 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 no. 
Even that is works-based salvation. When you grab in your heart that you are not God, but that you're sinning in an affront to God. When you grab in your heart, right, that Jesus paid the penalty for your sin. When you grab that concept in your heart and you believe it with everything in you, and you repent of your sin and ask Jesus to cover you, you are saved. Right? I mean, prayer, yeah, follow. It'll follow, right? But that moment when the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers, these six guys that came with Peter from among the circumcised who came with Peter, uh, they're Jews, were amazed. Like, I mean, just they're like, oh, what happened? Like, they're like, are you serious? It's crazy. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out. Do you just read it in your Bible. What does it say there? Even on. Like, we didn't expect this. Even on, like, the people that we never thought would get it, right? Even on the Gentiles, the, the gospel is for everyone. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. I think that's just great. This is a sign. See, the Jews were not going to get this. The Jews were not going to let this happen. But God did it in such a way, it's like Acts 2 all over. This is Pentecost to the Gentiles. And these guys are speaking in tongues. Like, now, I want you to just think about this practically, right? They're speaking in tongues, and these guys are hearing them extol God. So if they're hearing them extol God, what, they can understand them, right? So literally, they're talking in Hebrew, or they're talking in Aramaic, so these guys can understand, not in Greek. It's like the reverse of what happened before. And it's evident to them, and God's opening their eyes and their heart to what's actually happening. It's just astounding what God does to get out His gospel. And Peter declares, can anyone... Now, who's he talking to? Who's Peter talking to? He's not talking to the Gentiles. They don't even know about baptism. Right? Who's he talking to? He's talking to these six Jewish guys, and he's like, hey, 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 can any of you guys withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? You guys got any objections to having a baptism service right now? Yeah, I mean, that, that's what he's saying. He's like, anybody have a better idea? No, 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 this is what needs to happen. First you believe, then you're baptized, so let's get on with it. And then he commanded them, right? He taught them, this is what happens, and this is what you should do. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and they asked him to remain for some days. You see this. They asked. He, they, he taught them the gospel. They received it. He taught them baptism. They did it. 
And then they're like, can you keep teaching us? We need to be discipled. You get that? Like, that's what they're doing. They're hungry for the gospel. Okay, stay with us. We need, what's next? What's after baptism? What do we do now? So he continues with discipling them. I think this is such a great, great thing. Here's the point. Here's an opportunity to open your heart, right? To open your heart. Now, um, Peter did that. And he asked the six guys to do that as well. And they did it, right? But, but here's the thing. Look at chapter 11. <coughs> Excuse me. Look at chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. They're like, what's wrong with you? Saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. You're unclean and you went to unclean people. But Peter began, so Peter wasn't like, you're a moron. What's wrong? You know, he didn't like yell back at him. He's like, here, here, here's what he's going to do. But Peter began to explain it to them in order. Now you can read through it again. It's like a reiteration of the whole story we've read. But look over at verse 12. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers, that's where I'm getting that number, also accompanied me. And we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, Send a Joppa and, and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message. That message is the gospel by which you will be saved. You and your household. As I began to speak, I mean, I couldn't even get it out. I couldn't get to the clothes and I didn't get to this private handshake. Nothing happened, right, before this. The Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning, and I remembered. You know what I remembered? I remember what Jesus said. The word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, which is what happened to these guys. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave to us when we believed, Acts 2, in Jesus, in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? I mean, it's just clear, isn't it? But sometimes religious people kind of get bent a certain way. Who was I? And when they heard this, th these things, they fell silent and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let me illustrate this point for you. We need to open our heart, okay? Open our heart. Believe the gospel changes people in a powerful and unique way. <coughs> we had a baptism service not that long ago. You remember that? Anybody here? Thanksgiving, anybody? Okay, you guys were here? Here's the thing. I sat right here. And I listened to the testimonies and I was like, uh, um, this is no condemnation, just truth in church. You good? We all good? Right. And even if you got baptized, no, 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 nothing here, okay? Take the whole message, not just this little piece. And I sat here and I was like, man, they're not saying it just like I would say it. 
man, I'm not even sure if that guy's saved, right? And I'm just like, I'm not even sure if this is correct. I'm not, like, I'm not even, huh? Anybody else? I'm like, and it, don't we do that when other people give their testimonies? Like, well, he didn't really get the key words out that I was looking to hear. He didn't really say the thing. And that I got to say, you got to open your heart, right? The gospel is the same, but everyone's testimony is different. You know, not everybody's going to say sin. They probably should, but they might not. They might say something different. Not everybody's going to say, I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, you know? They're not all going to use churchy words. <coughs> Excuse me. People give their testimony. It's their testimony. They say it their way. Here's the key. The key is that we see visible and verbal evidence of transformation. <coughs> Excuse me. If we don't see visible and verbal, confess with your mouth evidence of transformation, of belief in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that's when you should get nervous. But until then, open your heart up to the fact that not everybody's going to receive the word the way you receive it. Not everybody's going to have the same story. It's a powerful thing. It's a unique thing, the way you come to the gospel. We need to open our heart and to believe that gospel, the gospel changes people in a way that is powerful and unique. Wow. That's what we should be saying. Wow. The Holy Spirit was poured out on who? Wow. I can't believe that person accepted Christ. Wow. That's what we're going for. Point is there should be visible and verbal evidence of change so i thought we'd just wrap the message up this way what's your story just do a little inventory you came to church really good decision on a very cold day don't leave without your thought being provoked and your heart being warm to this concept what's your story Is there visible and verbal evidence that you've been saved? <coughs> Maybe right now you need to open your heart for the first time to the gospel and believe that, that Jesus is for everyone, that he's for you. Maybe you like, came here and you're like, yeah, no, God's for everybody else, but he's not for me. He hasn't really talked to me. He hasn't really spoken to me. He hasn't really... And to that, I'd just say, have you ever spoken to him? Have you ever just asked God? If you're real, God, would you reveal yourself? Have you ever asked God to show up in your life? Have you ever even acknowledged that there is a God other than you? Open your heart. Believe that Jesus is for everyone, and that includes you. Pretty cool. Jesus Christ came to die for you, Jeremy. Just for you. Blow your mind. Stop trying to do it yourself and accept the fact that Jesus already paid the price for your sin. 
Sometimes we can get all about works. Sometimes we can get all about how we live it out. But at the very root of the gospel, plain and simple, sin's our problem. Jesus is a full payment. You either believe and confess that or you deny and reject it. That's the gospel. And it's for everyone. Let's stand. Let's pray. Thanks for uh, coming to church today on this cold day. Thanks for um, humoring me as I struggle through my own issues with my voice. All that aside for a second, if you could just think about your own standing with Jesus Christ. The gospel's for everyone. That means it's clearly for you. That means Jesus died for you. Just make it that. Don't think that he died for us. That's big God stuff too. He died for you. Just you. Let that sink in to your heart. Let that change the way you behave, the way you think. He wants a personal relationship with you. Just you. Not you and your wife. Not you and your kids. Just you. He wants a personal, a real relationship with you. That's his plan, Jesus Christ, to save you, to reconcile you back. Have you ever, just in your heart, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to, you know, say some words. I'm not going to ask you to do anything because I've just said it's just between you and him in your heart. Would you open your heart up? And would you say, God, if you're real, show me you're real. Speak to me. You know, fill me with your Holy Spirit. If there is such a thing, fill me with your Holy Spirit. If Jesus is real, cleanse me with his blood. Wondered if you'd just do that right now. Let's pray. God, many people here, all at different places in their walk with you. Meet them where they're at. And I know you will because you're an amazing God. And change them forever by the power of your gospel because it's for each and every one of them here and help remind them that it's not just for them but then it's for everyone as they go out this week and share the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.